presented on For the People is provided as general legal information. The general legal information is intended to inform consumers, is not intended to substitute for specific legal advice as it relates to the listener's specific legal issue. Consumers are cautioned not to rely on the general legal information broadcast on For the People as legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is created, intended, or implied between the consumers of For the People and Deborah Rainey Esquire, the compassionate lawyer, or the law office of Deborah D. Rainey. Please consult with an attorney for your specific legal issue. We the people says the Constitution created for creating solutions. However, we the people lack the understanding. Legal terms and conditions sound written on another planet. Our rights we take for granted often signing away our chances because we don't really know the circumstances. I swear I can't stand it. Then we're so demanding. Quick to throw up a picket sign in the streets to exercise the freedom of speech when the situation could have been avoided from the start if we the people conquer basic knowledge of the law. So this is for the people. Law in plain language. Breaking it down for us in layman terms. That expressing her compassion and will for us to learn not for a check but to address how to win in these streets this show is for you this show is for me it's for the people what's up what's up what's up tuesday night eight o'clock what time is that Time for For the People, Law in Plain Language, with me, Deb Rainey, your host, the compassionate lawyer, joining me in the studio as usual, my For the People fam, Black, a.k.a. the Broke Poet, sub fam. What's going on? Simply, the PhD candidate, producer. Hey, producer, how groovy. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost Christmas. Oh, God. And Santa is going to leave coal in your stocking. Oh. Well, that's okay, because that means our bill won't be that high for Christmas time, huh? <laughs> Santa ain't here. Santa is at the North Pole getting high. Santa is real. Santa's okay. broke because <laughs> the economy's so bad, he said, I'm taking a break. So, y'all, thanks for joining us. Welcome um, welcome to another show. Tonight, we're going to keep it going with the listeners' legal questions, and I'm going to provide legal information responses to some of the questions. If you didn't know, you're listening to www.gtownradio.com Gtown the what? The sound from Germantown And as usual y'all if you want to join in Give us a shout in the studio You can reach out to us at 215-609-4301 Or you can hit us up on the text line At 215-435-4099 You can send us an email For the people at com. You can text us You can tweet us FTP Law. Join in the conversation, y'all. Before we get started with tonight's show, I thought it was fitting and proper to offer a brief moment of silence to those folks in Connecticut, sure. particularly those those lovely young children who lost their lives in that horrible massacre. So we're going to observe a few minutes of silence in honor of those and their family members, and we just want you all to know that you're in our prayers. To the Newtown, um, Connecticut area, all of you who suffered 
losses who were impacted in any way by that horrible, senseless act of violence, you're in our thoughts and you're in our prayers. One thing we can say about our country, when we have tragedies like this, we do come together, and we come together in a good way. You agree? For sure. I did um, some for, I did some tweets, and I wrote some stuff on the For the People Facebook page. And I want to put this question out there to y'all listening. And I want to get some responses from y'all. The Second Amendment to our federal constitution says, I have a right to bear arms. But does that right to bear arms include having a shitload of guns like they had at that young man's house. Mama had four, five, six or so handguns, and she had a semi-automatic rifle. Mm. Does the right to bear arms say we can have as many guns as we can buy and afford? Or should it be read to say we're entitled to certain guns, but other guns we should not be even thinking about? I mean, let's be real. We're supposed to be a superpower, and we're one of the few countries in the world that keep having these tragedies as it relates to guns because most other countries don't have these kind of problems with guns because guns are banned pretty much in their entirety. If anybody has any thoughts or ideas out there, hit us up. Let us know. And from what the news is saying, the National Rifle Association, or the NRA, the big power mongers with the guns, are going to be giving a press con- press conference soon to once again stand up and say, guns don't kill people, people kill people, whatever. And obviously they're going to say that because they make trillions of dollars every year from gun sales. On to tonight's show, as we've done for the last two nights, in a, uh, two Tuesdays in a, in a row, we have posed um, to you questions posted to us by the listeners, and I've given my two cents on what your legal rights and responsibilities are as it relates to the questions. Please keep in mind, as the disclaimer says at the beginning of the show, and at the end of the show, this is not legal advice, it's legal information. Don't act on just what I say. Reach out to an attorney if you don't know how to find one. Hit me up. I'll let you. I'll I'll turn you on to an attorney or call the bar association in your neighborhood, in your area. All right. Since our producer is not listening, the first <laughs> question before we do move right, forward. Did you say something to me? I want to say a shout out to Mina. What's up, Mina? Mina is a um, adopted family member from Renee and I, but family to our our resident poetess we just want to say what's up to her welcome back to us i know you're going to be out here doing some great things i want to give a shout out to sharon q sharon you and the dallas cowboys can kiss my ass but you're still my girl i second that motion i want to <laughs> give a special shout out to ann tansmore and you know what forget you and your cowboys but happy holidays Special birthday shout-out to my sister, Dr. Anita Edwards-Harshaw, out in Pittsburgh. Anita, happy birthday. All right, here's our first question of the night, y'all. Go, Black. What you got for me? All right, the first question I got, this, this, this question coming straight from Mama Black. Mama Black, I haven't tried the ginger root yet, but I will. Oh, yeah, sure. and somebody else gave me a um, remedy for cramps on the For the People page. It was pretty cute. Tamika. Thank you, Tamika. What was it? I don't remember. <laughs> It's on the Facebook page. It's on the For the People page, though. All right. And here it is. It's black cherry juice or pills. Tamika, thank you for that. Um, I'm assuming she means black cherry pills. I'm, I'm, oh. I don't think she's going to give her illegal pills. I got some clients that can hook, hook me up with some Zannies or whatever I need. I'm good. I'm straight. Hey. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, though. <laughs> All right. First question of the night. Uh, can I be arrested for not paying a hairstylist if she messed up my hair? 
<laughs> you can be arrested for darn near anything. What claims does the hairdresser have against you if you if she claims you gave her if she says I gave you what you came in here for? Can she call the police and make a complaint against you? Sure, she can. Can she take you to civil court and claim you took her services and didn't pay for it? Sure, she can. It's happened before. Police have been called to a place like a, a, a hair salon because the customer said, yo, I paid her for, I asked her to do my hair, and the cop go in, there's cups of hair being missing out of there. Well, I stuff. have to add to that. I actually have one of those stories, and anyone that's seen my hair see that usually I have a buzz cut with a lot of skin showing. So I go to a different barber, which, some, which is something I suggest that you never do. Went to a different barber. She's so groovy. Do you have a problem? I mean, do you have experience cutting, you know, short hair? And I get up, and there are patches. And when you get a buzz cut down to the scalp, you can't have no patches. I know. That's right. Especially if you don't have a perfectly round head like the producer. I have a perfectly round head, I said if you don't have one, yours is perfectly round. So yours won't look as bad as someone well, who no, has like it, a it, it looked like oval I had head. big old ringworm patches in there. It was wow. pretty awful. So. Or if you have a pumpkin head like I have. I said I'm not paying, and they said, well, we're going to call the cops. I said, no, I'm calling the cops because this is a crime. So I called the police officer. <laughs> he came. He said, what's the problem? He and said, nice going. to meet you, Bougie. I mean, ma'am, what can I do for <laughs> they you? They met him at the front door. We got a client that won't pay, and I'm just sitting there with my legs crossed, just mm-hmm-hmm. So officer comes in, and I say, look at my head. And I turn around and give him a very good look. And, and he, he goes, said, oh, dude, she's said, not paying you a dime. Oh, that's pretty bad. They did that? Yeah, they did that. And he looked at them and said, and you called the cops on her? Ma'am, you can go. I said, I know I can go. And I left. To answer your question more simplistically, Mama Black, anyone can call the police for anything. If you're in that situation, and be prepared to show the officer if they show up. Hell, you call them for a car accident, four hours later they show up. If they show up, you be prepared to tell your side of the story. If the officer is not convinced by what you say, but he's more convinced by the hairdresser who says you were supposed to pay and you didn't, he's not going to arrest you there on the spot because that's a misdemeanor. What he will do is go back to his district, talk to his supervisors, issue a warrant, call you and say, okay, you're going to be arrested for theft of services. Turn yourself in. Let's get this process started. Nine times out of ten, though, for real, for real, if you can demonstrate to the police officer that your hair is not what you paid for, they're probably not going to arrest you. But it doesn't stop the hairdresser from pursuing a private criminal complaint against you as we talked about a couple shows ago for a theft of services because she claims she did your hair whether you liked it or not is not her issue or even her taking you to small claims court to get her money back so to answer your question short yes you can be arrested but you probably won't be and understand as a consumer you have a right to get what you paid for if if you paid to get your hair done, they didn't do it properly. You need to be to you need to be proactive. You take the first step, and you tell that hairdresser, "I'm not paying you a dime." And if you insist on it, let's call the police and straighten this out. Most of the time, they don't want the police involved or other folks, and they'll try to work it out with you. But be prepared either way it goes. Hopefully, that answered your question, Mama Black. Next question. And by the by, if you missed last week's show or any other show, you can go to www for the people.potomatic.com or www.debrarainylaw.com d e b r a r a i n e y l a w.com 
I got to get us alive here because I'm bored. Outburst. All right, but go ahead, go <laughs> ahead, Block. All right, this question pertains to all the all the artists out there who who get burnt on a daily basis. I wrote a rap song with a friend of mine. We agreed that it was my lyrics, and then he was going to write the music to put to the song. A friend of mine told me about hearing my song on YouTube video. And he sent me the link. Some dude was actually performing my rap song with my friend in the video playing his music. What can I do? First thing you need to do is go to my website, listen to my show, episode 8. Don't copy my sh- It gives you all you need to know about copyright. The first thing I suggest to you, young brother, presumably you're a young man. Hopefully you wrote those lyrics down because the moment you wrote those lyrics down, remember, that's how you copyright. No more the old-fashioned stuff where you have to write your stuff down, write the see around it. The moment you create a tangible thing, it is copyrighted for all intents and purposes. The next thing you need to do is you need to pay attention to make sure that that is your song. There's no derivation, no changes to it. Then you need to consult an attorney because you might need you might want to sue that guy for infringing upon your copyright. That's a really good question that was posed. If you're in that position and you are an artist, an independent artist, please make sure you are protecting yourself. Go to www.copyright.gov. Copyright.gov. It gives you the A to B's, all the FAQs. Remember, we said FAQs are frequently asked questions as it relates to copyright. The bottom line is copyright laws exist to protect folks who create original original ideas, thoughts, completed things from other folks stealing it and benefiting from it. Now, another thing I want you to keep in mind really quickly, young brother, young sister, whoever you are, you hear your lyrics being sang on Facebook, on YouTube. Is this for a promotional reason, an educational reason, or something under the fair use doctrine? If you go to episode eight, don't copy my sh- you're going to hear what fair use is. Something Put tells fair me use that it was in your uh, browser. I don't think it was fair use either. I think the brother was trying to pass that stuff off as, as, it, if, if, as if it was his. So whoever sent that question in, I would suggest that you reach out to an attorney. Lickety split. Next question. Next question. I owe the IRS back taxes for the last three years. I own my own business but didn't pay any estimated taxes or otherwise. Should I be concerned? Go to uh, go to a country that has no extradition treaty. If you owe them for the past <laughs> Ask years. Wesley Snipes. He did three years for failing to pay taxes. Listen, y'all. There, there are different rules for business owners than there are for individuals as it relates to taxes. If you're a business owner, whether you're incorporated or not, you can pay your taxes, either estimated taxes or some other way. You should have an accountant, at the very least a CPA, who can um, properly advise you the way to pay your taxes. But I'm going to tell you this. You've gone three years without paying taxes. Presumably your business is no longer um, working. It's probably defunct. And hopefully you didn't make any money during that three years and Uncle Sam can't find a trail, a paper trail that you made some money. You need to communicate with the IRS and arrange to make some kind of buy, some kind of let me pay you on $10 a month or whatever. Because guess what? That's a federal offense, failing to pay taxes. They can get you from a felony to a misdemeanor. And I'm going to tell you this, you're looking at five years or more if you get hit with that felony in the federal system. You need to contact a lawyer right away 
because you're looking at potential criminal charges. Now, depending on how much you owe, the IRS may just hit you with taxes, back taxes, penalties, and fines, and may not go that criminal route. But you don't want to risk that. You want to nip this in the bud right now by dealing with it. Wasn't it one of the, was it the mob or the gangsters like in the 20s where one of them got caught on... Al Capone, the way they even though that brother killed 125 (laughs) people, they got him for evading income taxes, and he got 10 years. And Al Capone died in prison of hepatitis. She said, wasn't it a gangster? Yeah. (laughs) She's so groovy, right? She's so groovy. Good question. If you are the person listening who wrote that question with respect to the taxes, please reach out to an attorney quick. Reach out to an attorney. And be careful of those nonsense companies that say, those, those, you know those advertisements. We, our people worked for the IRS for twenty years. We have ex IRS agents and so on and so forth. Don't we do can it. get you a better deal? Don't they can't get you no different than what you can get yourself. The difference is they're going to charge you an arm and a leg for it. You can do it yourself by communicating through a representative like a CPA, a bona fide licensed CPA, or an attorney. Who's bona fide and licensed? And a without tax attorney going through the no, you don't. You don't necessarily well, no, I'm saying, but if you're that attorney. far behind, you really want to make sure. I mean, I, I would say they could probably go with the CPA at least to go down there, depending on mm-hmm. what it looks like. I would first communicate with a CPA. Hopefully, you had one during the time you were in business, and have them go over your records, and have some kind of documentation to show something. Don't go to the IRS without first consulting a tax professional, either like Renee said, a CPA or an attorney. I mean, obviously, you don't want to get an attorney who does wills and estates to go over your income tax for you. You might want to think about consulting a criminal attorney who specializes in white-collar crimes, which includes income tax evasion. Hope that answered your question. You're listening to For the People Law in Plain Language. I'm Deb Brandy, your host, the compassionate lawyer. With me in the studio, Black, a.k.a. the Broke Poet. Simply that... PhD Groovy Candidate Producer. Hey, Groovy. Oh, she's looking at me I all protest crazy. with silence. <laughs> silent treatment. Oh, she's so groovy. Next question. Hit me. All right. I'm being charged with a straw purchase. What the hell does that mean? I bought a gun a few years ago just re- recently, and I realized it was stolen. I did not call the police. I just ignored it. I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I being charged? All right. I'm confused. You bought a gun a few years ago just recently. What does that mean? That's what it says. I think the writer probably <laughs> um, wrote that wrong. I, no, I bought a, a gun a few years ago and just recently. Oh, so presumably this person's bought more than one gun. Yeah, two guns. Yo, why you need more than one gun? What's up with that? You can't. You, anyway, I'm just playing. This, so, ladies and gentlemen, the, 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 call, the writer has some issues in there. The main one, which a lot of folk are going to find themselves getting into, is, called, is a straw purchase. What is that? The state has decided they're going to cut down on gun crime and what they're saying is when in pennsylvania in particular when you go to a gun store to buy a gun you have to fill out an application it's a federal application on the application you say i am agreeing that i'm buying this gun for me i'm i'm a person who's not otherwise disqualified from purchasing a gun like i don't got no felony convictions i don't have any misdemeanor convictions that would make me disqualified to buy a gun and when you sign that application you're saying I'm buying this gun just for myself. I'm not giving it to anybody else. What the police are saying to this person who they're charging with a straw purchase is that her gun probably got stolen or taken from her house since she don't pay attention to the gun. She didn't know, 
right? Some knucklehead is out there waving a the gun around, got busted with it. The police do a check on the serial number, and it comes back registered to her. The next thing the police will do is go through the district's reports to see if she reported the gun stolen. If she didn't, their next illogical slash police logic says, well, her gun was stolen. She bought it. Now she don't have it. Some knucklehead had it. She must have bought it for him in exchange for some money. That's a straw purchase, and that's why she's being charged. So, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you buy a gun, legally buy a gun, keep track of that gun. You're not required to file a police report for your gun missing, but you need to to protect yourself. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you bought a gun and it's missing. If it ends up in the hands of someone who ain't otherwise got a right to have a gun and they're arrested and charged with it, the police run a serial number and it comes back to you. Don't be surprised if someone from the gun task force or the attorney general's office come knocking on your door asking you for a statement. And those of y'all that are avid listeners of the show, what do I say when the popo come knocking asking for a statement? What are your rights? I have the right to shut the hell up, so don't give a statement, damn it. Call an attorney. So she's being charged with, and the, and the state is alleging that she didn't buy that gun for her. She bought it for some other ill purpose. She lied on the application when she said it was going to be for her. And unfortunately for her, she's going to have to go through the criminal process in order to get those charges dealt with. So how much of this... You know, the massacre up in Connecticut, how much is that going to impact on these kind of cases that's come in the trial now? Well, it, I'm not sure if it's going to make them do any more than what they're doing now because they, we, we just ain't got the money. Pennsylvania, Philadelphia broke. But the gun task force was recreated because there's been so much resistance up in Harrisburg with the gun control laws. They don't care that folks in Philly are dying because most of them live out in the suburbs. They don't give a darn. Well, no, I, I mean, I'm speaking, uh, I don't I think guess, it's going to make a jury trial or the judge. I mean, based on what's happened, someone has a gun or something happened. I mean, most of the straw purchase cases, if your client for me as a criminal lawyer, if my client doesn't otherwise qualify for some of the diversion programs, I will seriously talk to him and her. And if we don't have any witnesses on our side, we try to plead this down to a misdemeanor. Because the bottom line is the police can show you bought the gun. Here's the application in your name. Why is it no longer in your possession? And if we don't have a legitimate comeback, you're going down on it. It's what we call a slow guilty plea. So if you, if you, if you can't bring your lawyer legitimate information to at least use to determine if there's a defense there, your lawyer's probably going to be beating you upside the head to take some manner of a negotiated plea. Right. No, I'm just saying that if I were sitting on a jury or folks sitting on a jury in light of what happened and, and there's a gun case, maybe not this particular case, but some case involving a gun, someone got, got shot around Thanksgiving. There was a couple kids that got killed by their parents, whatever. I'm not sure where the guns were involved. I'm just wondering what the impact's going to be well, in light of the national tragedy. That well, that's happened. a good question. And I'm going to answer it two ways. The first one is the lawyer. There is jury instructions that the judge will give the juror to say you're not allowed to, to consider anything else. You have to consider that which is in front of you. And when I do drug cases, when I do assault on cops cases, one of the things I say to my jurors in my opening and my closing, you agreed that you were not going to let anything outside of what you're hearing influence you. I'm asking you, I know you're tired of gun violence and all that. None of that has any business in your thought process because when you took that oath, you agreed to be fair and listen to just this evidence and not let anything else impact you. Are they going to? Sure, they're human beings. But they're being instructed by the judge that you can't allow outside influences in. That's the lawyer response. 
the person response me says if you can't put together a viable defense for your client your next best step is find a negotiated plea form that they can live with would i suggest taking one of these cases to a jury trial if you don't have anything else no but there are some cases where you got a boy who's a whose prior record score is so horrendous he's looking at a 6105 which is the most serious gun possession felony carrying 10 years he ain't got a choice but to take his chances with the jury that's different but the everyday schmoes who are getting popped with these straw purchase charges are these folks who have no prior criminal record. And there are people out there, unfortunately, young ladies, young men who have no jobs, for whatever reason can't get one. Their friends who want the guns know that they don't have a record and they can buy it. They're giving them three, $400 to go and buy guns. For example, I'll give, they'll give him 600 bucks. There is a 9 mil at this store on sale for 225 Here's six. Use the 225 to buy the gun. You keep the rest. That's money right there. This kid's struggling trying to pay child support because he knows if he doesn't pay child support, he's going to jail. What's he going to do? He's going to take that 600 go down to that gun store, buy that gun, and keep that difference. And unfortunately for him, he's going to put his name on that application. He's going to say, this gun is for me and me only. No one else is going to get it. And that knucklehead who gave him that money to buy it is going to go out and do something stupid, get caught with the gun, and all hell's going to break loose. So I'm... Um, Employing those of you out there who may find yourself in that situation, please do not do it. It is not worth the headache you're going to face if you buy a gun for somebody else and the police get involved. And don't think, oh, it's not going to happen to me because guess what? Unfortunately for those who decide to engage in criminality, y'all not the smartest, hence I got a job. Well, you know, I just was watching the news today, and what was it, last week where the two young men fired the shot into the SEPTA train because they've been arguing about the Phillies game? Yeah, the Bulls fans and the 76ers fans. Well, the video that was taken from SEPTA is quite clear. It shows them standing by the door on the train talking. I mean, it was like someone was taking a home video, was right in their face. It showed them getting off the train and right before the doors closed, clear as crystal clear, shooting back into the Yeah, train. but all you saw was the back of the shooter. You didn't see the shooter's face. No, you did. And I'm going to object to the introduction of that video because it can't be authenticated. Sorry, I went to my defense. <laughs> my bad. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. According it's to the true. news, one 16-year-old was arrested and charged. Well, they showed him and his brother. They picked up his brother today. But who had the gun? I don't know. There you go. I don't know. Well, Sound like reasonable doubt to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but go ahead. It was both of them on the train getting off. And unfortunately for where that gun came from, if that serial number was filed, was not filed off, it's going to be ran. And y'all, just for your edification out there, those of you who choose to do that street thing, just because you take a file and file that serial number down, the FBI now has a way that they can recapture that serial number. The only way to get rid of that serial number is to throw some acid on it. I'm just playing. Don't, okay, I didn't say that. <laughs> but if you're going to engage in things that you know are going to potentially impact your freedom, be smart about your shit. How about it? But if don't, don't worry about it. That's, that's why people like me have a job. Next question, please. We're going to take this question, and then we're going to do a break because it's almost 830. What does that mean? We're going to take a break at 8.30. Why? Because it's 8.30, and that's when we take a break. Because she's okay. the producer. Because well. I'm the producer. She runs the show. And okay. the producer wants right. to say that my nephew, Rodney Hicks, is is having a guest appearance at 10 p.m. TNT on Leverage. It's 
it's the station TNT. She's so groovy. What would I say? Just on TNT. People don't know what that means. Oh. TNT could mean dynamite or something. It's the TV network <laughs> well, TNT. The show is called Leverage. Y'all remember a movie out there, people my age, back in the late 80s called The Falcon and the Snowman. Timothy Hutton was the lead actor. He he played a spy. He, this is his new show. He, look, he aged badly. Oh, my God, he aged badly. Those of y'all that don't know, black don't crack, but the rest, Lord have mercy. If you're not black and brown, forget about it. Because Timothy Hutton looked like he about 70. And Rodney's also... And he's on, my age. What's that other show you watch? The Grim. scary one? Grim. Grim. Yeah. Grim. All right, we digress. What's the next question? Rodney Hicks, love, much love to you, baby. All right, I show. have a question. Yeah. I am serving a seven-year probation sentence. <laughs> which I feel like is... Which I feel... So like hopefully. it's excessive, what can I do? Ooh, first of all, go back and find your court-appointed lawyer and smack him. Because clearly your private lawyer didn't get you that sentence. I'm just playing. <laughs> well, a number of things. The first one is, what was the charge that you pled to? The first thing you want to do, if you came to me with that in my office, I would say to you, let me look you up to see what you're charged with to make sure it wasn't an illegal sentence. What I mean by that, certain crimes in Pennsylvania, the maximum sentence you can get is a particular number. Did that seven years exceed the maximum sentence under the law? My next thought, though, is seven-year probation sentence sound like you could have been facing Three and a half to say I'm upstate or something like that. And in lieu of that, your lawyer and the DA made some kind of deal. So you might want to count yourself lucky. But, yeah, sure. there are options. You can go to your attorney and you can say, listen, I've been on the seven-year probation period for three and a half, four years. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I was told to get a GED. I did that. I got a job. I paid off all my fines and costs. I don't want to stay on probation for another three years. Your lawyer can then file a petition. This is Pennsylvania-specific, guys, but I know that every jurisdiction probably has the same or similar processes. Your attorney can file a petition to your probation judge to terminate your probation. And in Pennsylvania, whether you're on state probation or county probation, it doesn't matter. That probation petition to terminate probation still goes before your probation judge. But you have to make sure that the DA gets a copy of it. So do you have options? Yes, you do. But I would go back to the lawyer who got that sentence for you to make sure you understand all the conditions. And what you can do is go to the Criminal Justice Center here in Philadelphia, the third floor, the clerk's office, and ask for a copy of your record of sentence. On that record of sentence, it should contain all those conditions that you were supposed to do during that seven-year period of probation. And that's always good to have so you know what those conditions are because attorneys aren't always um, diligent in ensuring that their clients know what the conditions of probation are. Hope I helped you out with that question, dude. That was a good question. For sure, for sure, for sure. I want you all to think about the gun question that I asked at the top of the show. Why do people need more than one or two handguns and a damn semi-automatic gun in their house? We're going to take a little break. Think about that. I'm going to throw that question around, and then we're going to get back into our question and answer session. You're listening to For the People, Law and Plain Language on www.gtownradio.com. G-Town, the what? We'll be right back.
a sable under the tree for me Been an awful good girl, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue
Welcome back to For the People Law and Playing Language with me, Deb Rainey, your host, a compassionate lawyer, black, a.k.a. the broke poet, simply the PhD candidate producer. Well, on the other side of the break, I had asked about what your thoughts were as it relates to having three, four, five guns and semi-automatic weapons. And as I understand, in the um, school in Newtown, there was over a hundred rounds that were expelled from these weapons. Good, googly goog. Mm. Wow, wow. That's all I can say is wow. Listen, I understand the need to protect your family, protect your people, and have a weapon, but I don't need three, four, five, six, seven, eight weapons. I just don't understand. You have folks out there who are gun enthusiasts, but in my personal opinion, if you're a gun enthusiast, disarm the gun. Take the firing pin out. Put it somewhere. Display your guns in your collection, the, the reason that you got them for. I can't imagine you have to have a set of 15 guns with all of them containing fire pins and operable. Someone comes in, breaks in your house, steals those guns, goes off and commits a mass murder. You're going to feel like crap, right? For sure. The gun enthusiasts say guns don't kill people, people kill people. That's bull crap. I can pick up a bullet and throw it at you. It ain't going to kill you. It ain't going to hurt you. I put that bullet in a gun, it's going to hurt you. So, no, guns do kill people, particularly with people with the gun whose intent it is to hurt somebody. We just have to be more responsible for what we do. There are certain times that I think Uncle Sam should not get involved. This time ain't one of them. I think we need to get involved and do something with our gun control laws. On the other side of the break, someone called and asked about what they can do for being on probation for seven years, they think it's too long. They want to get off. What can they do? I suggested reaching out to their attorney and asking the attorney about a petition to terminate probation early. Someone else called, I mean, um, sent a question about, what are the other questions? I can't remember now. One person said, can I be arrested because I went to the hairdresser to get my hair did. The hairdresser screwed up my coif and I wasn't finna pay. My response was, you can get arrested for damn near anything. Yes, the hairdresser can call the police. It's going to be up to the police to make a quick snap decision on the spot as to whether or not they think your conduct um, rises to the level of being arrested. Probably not, but anything is possible. The other question that was asked was... Rap song? Oh, yeah. Brother wrote a rap song. It was a brother, presumably, with his friend. He wrote the rap song. His friend was supposed to write the lyrics. He gets a link to a YouTube video where some other dude is... is, is, um, Performing his rap song, What Can He Do? I told him to go to my website, DeborahRainLaw.com. Click out, check out episode, click out. What the hell's click out? Check out episode number eight. Don't copy my sh, asterisk, asterisk. It tells you all you need to know about copyright. I reminded him and you guys, the moment you create an original idea, you put it down on paper, put it in a tangible form, it is copywritten for purposes of the copyright law. The copyright laws exist to protect folks who have original ideas, who write them down and create them from other people infringing on their rights. There's a few other things that the dude needs to do before he can take action, but he definitely needs to reach out to an attorney. The other question was asked was... IRS. I had a business. My business went under... I ain't paid taxes. Should I be concerned? Uh, yeah, you probably should be concerned. Reach out to a CPA, an attorney, even a tax attorney, before you call or try to hook up with the IRS so you know what your rights and responsibilities are. Please don't ignore this, though, because guess what? Uncle Sam going to get their money either from your pocket or from your liberty. They're going to get their money. For 
And tonight we are answering, providing legal information to legal questions. I'm going to say this to you all again. The information I'm giving you is legal information. Please don't rely solely on what you hear on this show. Hence my disclaimer at the beginning and the end of the show. We're going to keep it popping, keep it moving. What's the next question, please? The next question is, uh, I do not, I repeat, I do not have a driver's license, but I do know how to drive. I was driving my father's car on the boulevard and I accidentally hit Deb's car site. <laughs> I was speeding and I didn't hang around. Help me. Huh. Well, my young friend, dad finna come out his pocket for some money. Now, here's the interesting um, debacle. For those of you that have car insurance, pull out your car insurance policy. Look at the declaration page. What's the declaration page? It's the first page of your insurance policy. Nine times out of ten, the insurance policy declaration page will say what will automatically disqualify coverage of your car. Oftentimes, if you've had insurance with the same company for a while, and they've had to pay out claims against you because your boyfriend Tad drove the car and keep backing in the stuff, or your husband George keep hitting stuff, or you yourself, the driver, keeps hitting stuff, the insurance company will put on a declaration page people who can't drive the car either by name or it'll say in the insurance policy, you need to read it carefully, either on that declarations page or within the terms that are defined in your insurance policy. Things like, we do not provide coverage for a resident of your house. What's a resident of your house? In most insurance policy language, if you lived with the person for six months or more continuously, they're a resident, they're not covered. Either way you slice it, the son doesn't have a driver's license one. Nine times out of ten, there's language within this insurance policy that disqualifies coverage. Two, if dad says, I didn't give him permission to drive my car, it's not covered. And that might be dad's best position because then dad might be able to somehow fight liability, being liable for his car being driven by his son and hitting the other car. But if I'm the attorney for the other person who got hit, I'm going to presume and argue, hey, yo, it's your son. Obviously, you gave him permission to drive your damn car. So the person who did this, you hit somebody's car in your dad's car, shame on you. Go get a job. Help daddy pay for this liability because daddy finna be sued. Ladies and gentlemen, in all seriousness, make sure you understand the language in your insurance policy. Don't presume just because your agent who you bought the policy from told you you're covered for certain things that it's in there. If it's not in that insurance policy in black and white, it's probably not there. But the good side of all this is if you end up having to sue your insurance company, since they wrote the insurance policy, they're going to have the burden in court of proving that it means what they claim it means. So... Having said all that, please know what your insurance policy says, what's covered and what's not covered. I got to go read mine. <laughs> next question. Got me thinking. <laughs> all right. Can I sue someone if they post my pictures on Facebook without my permission? Well, that's an interesting question. You can sue anybody for anything. And that's episode 9 or 10 under um, the past podcast. It's called, what was the name of that show with the banana? Help, I've fallen and I want to sue. That's the name of the episode. Yeah. Help, I've fallen, I want to sue. If you find an attorney willing to take your claim, you can sue anybody for any damn thing. 
The issue is not can you sue. The issue is what damages did you suffer? So my question to the person who posted this question, by someone posting your picture on Facebook, what damage did you suffer? What, was you looking ragged and haggard that day and you didn't want people to see you? What if it was a picture that was in violation of some type of code of your place of employment and you end up getting fired? Clarify that. What do you For mean? Instance, if you was naked and you put your breasts on Facebook... <laughs> <laughs> well, per- hopefully let's your face if, won't be attached, and they won't know it's your breasts. Let's say if it let's, let's say if it was a, a correction officer with a, a an inmate, a former inmate, and before the six month limit, and it was posted on Facebook, and they end up losing their job behind it. That's an interesting question. The first thing I would ask if you brought that to my office for 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 a consultation. Was the person who posted this picture in a legal position to obtain that picture? In other words, did that person have your permission to take your picture? If you're out somewhere publicly and your picture's taken, um, you hit. You're hit. Remember, you're there. There's one of the um, one of my shows, and I can't remember which, but I'll let you know either through Facebook or Twitter which podcast to listen to. There are certain instances where your privacy is less your privacy particularly when you're in the public area so if y'all at the club and whatnot dancing and all hugged up that's on your dumb ass corrections officer you know you're supposed to be seen with an inmate for beyond that before that six month period don't do it in public or Uh, wear a disguise a simple answer to that yes but can you sue that person for putting your image on facebook probably but is it going to be worth it? At the end of the day, you may end up paying an attorney five grand to take that case. And you, through your attorney, have to prove what your damages are. For having lost your job, if you can justify that that picture wasn't taken with your permission and you weren't in a public place, you might be able to get something. But the next part of that is the person that posted the, posted the picture on Facebook. They got any money? They probably judgment proof. What that mean? They broke. And even if you go to court and win and get a judgment from the court, how are you going to enforce it? Because they ain't got nothing. So it's a interesting question. I'm so sorry if this really happened in real life to the CEO. So sorry. You need to go through your union and try to get your job back. For real, for real. Give me a call and we'll go over your union contract and see what you can do to file a grievance or something. But yes, but is my answer. And... There's other lawyers out there who might think differently. My answer is yes, but, maybe, but. And the but is more important than the yes or the maybe. Because at the end of the day, no lawyer is going to want to take a case where they're not guaranteed any money. Because it's all about money, right? Right. Next question. And that number to the studio, if they want to call into the studio, is 215-609-4301. Text line is 215-435-4099. Email for the people at DebraRainLaw.com. Facebook for the people law and playing language. Twitter FTP Law or at DebraRainLaw. Next question. I have a friend who just sat five and a half years in the county. Good God Almighty. Waiting to go to trial for her case. Throughout the whole five and a half years, she was charged with third degree murder. Yet when she got to trial in August, she was suddenly charged with first degree and was told by the judge that if the jury found her guilty, she would get life. So she was persuaded by her family to plead third degree for 15 to 30. 
for one thing, how did they jack up the charges at trial? And second, what can she do now that she's voluntarily pleading to 15 to 30? Wow, there's a lot going on in there. For those of you that don't know, in Pennsylvania, there are three sort of categories of homicide. First degree um, murder, which is that premeditated thing or the felony murder. That's the one where you can potentially face death if, it, if it's a death a qualified case or minimally life in prison with no parole. And then Pennsylvania, life without parole means life without parole. You have the second degree homicide where the potential is 40 to 80 or even life depending on the circumstances. Third degree in Pennsylvania, minimally it's 20 to 40 generally. Her first question is, my first question is, she sat for five and a half years in the county. Presumably the lawyers, the DA, and the defense attorney were trying to work things out. Or it was one of those cases where either side was trying to avoid it, and it was just continuing and continuing and continuing. How did, and the question is interesting. It said she was charged with, and presumably she went to her preliminary hearing, and the court held her. Oh, wait, no, this says she was initially charged with third-degree murder. Huh. So my question to the writer of this, then, is when you went to your preliminary hearing or did you have a preliminary hearing, did the court hold you for trial on first degree or third degree? The preliminary hearing in Pennsylvania, remember what I told you, all it's a show cause hearing. It was a show cause hearing to see what charges, if any, the state should, should um, take you to trial on. So this question suggests to me one of two things. One, the writer may have waived his or her preliminary hearing thinking that they were going to go just on third-degree homicide or the lawyer lied to her at the prelim the judge held her for first degree anyway and that's what they went to trial on remember even at your preliminary i don't know if you guys know this or not at a preliminary hearing the judge decides what charges you're going to trial on at the time of trial and before trial starts the district attorney has the right to amend the charges at any time. So long as there's sufficient evidence involved in the case that puts the defendant and the defense on notice that this is a potential trial charge. So what I'm saying is, if the facts were such that first-degree murder could be charged, the DA has a right to amend the charges up until you start picking that jury. So that's probably what happened in this case. And... The last part that says her lawyer, her family convinced her to plead to third degree homicide for 15 to 30. That's because the family was scared and because the presumably and hopefully the family sat down with the defense attorney and was told the strengths and the weaknesses of the case. Or it was one of those things that the lawyer said, look, this is the best I can do for you. We don't have anything. Take this third degree. Family helped me convince this person to take this third degree. Um, unfortunately, most cases in the criminal justice system, I don't care what state, what city, what county you're in, more often than not, charges and cases plead out than go to trial. There are a third of charges brought before a third of the people that are charged with crimes actually go to trial on those charges, even if it's, I don't even know if it's that high. In Philadelphia County, I don't think it's quite that high. Out in the counties, forget about everybody pleads everything out because they're threatened with five million years in jail, consect on everything. So this is an interesting question. The only thing that she can do now that she's agreed to plead is if she hasn't pled yet, really, really think about if you want to take the risk, roll the dice, and go to a jury and risk life in prison. 
I would even say go to the lawyer and say, lawyer, can you get this down from 15, 15 and a half to 31 to something like 10 to 20? Try to negotiate a lower sentence. If she's already pled, but she hasn't yet been sentenced, she can talk to her attorney about filing a petition to withdraw her plea. Most of the time now, though, nowadays, most of the judges in Philadelphia County and the other counties are reluctant to let you withdraw your plea. If she pled guilty already and was sentenced, it's even tougher to file a petition to withdraw the plea. So I would reach out to your current attorney, or if that attorney's a butthead or you're tired of him, reach out to another attorney and just ask for a consultation on what your options are. So I have a Twitter question. And it says, what is the justification for owning a semi-automatic weapon and keeping it at home? Because you are a redneck who likes to shoot... Um, defenseless things I have a defenseless <laughs> idea I cannot justify anyone Unless you're in the military Active Having a semi-automatic in your home I don't understand that That to me scares the bejesus out of me I don't know why a normal homeowner Needs to have a semi-automatic weapon Even if you're an avid hunter You need to have a semi To shoot a deer who ain't gonna do nothing to you but stand there scared to death and be an easy target? I, I can't answer that question, Twitter asker. I would like to know, too. If you're someone out there and you have a semi-automatic rifle and you can give us a reason why you have it, please give us a shout. No, no, and that wasn't the question. I think they were. It was. A, it said serious question, and then that was the pre, preface to a serious question. What was the... Well, I can't answer it. Any of y'all got an answer? I, unless you... I don't know. I mean, I don't think it has to be someone that's a redneck. I think it's just um, someone looking to cause a disaster or or open up a, a, a potential for a disaster to happen. A semiotic, I can't imagine having that. I could I could even see three or four nine mils, a couple Glocks or whatever, but a semi-automatic, I just don't see the need for it. I just, I, I can't see it. You got some folks who are professional shooters. They shoot in contests and stuff, but they shoot rounds that are harmless. And some of their weapons are semi-automatic, but they can modify those weapons to make them harmless so they don't shoot real bullets. Any other reason for it? I just, I don't know. Twitter asker, thank you for that. I I don't know. Go ahead. (laughs) Next question. Is it illegal for an employer to fire an employee through a text message? (laughs) <laughs> it's damn <Wow>. ignorant <laughs> I want to know what employee Is dumb enough to take that shit serious If the employer wants to fire you You make him put that in writing On letterhead and legitimize Is it illegal? No Pennsylvania right now is still uh, An at will state What does that mean? Employers can fire their employees for damn near any reason As long as they can justify it There are some public interest public policy reasons that we can challenge people being fired but for the most part until pennsylvania turns into a union or or a right to work state employers can fire you for any reason there is no it's not written in stone how an employer can fire you for sure but i'm not sure what employer would simply send a text message and nothing else hopefully that employer has enough of a even if they just have a paralegal writing their stuff up for them we'll send you a form letter telling you that you're fired so it's not illegal no is it wrong and is it dangerous for the employee employer sure sure and if you got fired by a text message damn (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel bad for you. That's worse call than being fired on your day off. Call an employment lawyer for a consultation. Excuse me. And if you don't have uh, uh, money, reach out to the um, Community Legal Services in Philadelphia. Put in your browser, I need help. Broke, unemployed, fired. Somebody Something got fired like by a text message? Uh, that was the question. Is it illegal for you? See, she don't listen. <laughs> Producer don't listen. Is it illegal for your employer to fire you via text message? There is no law that says you can't fire your employee any way that it takes to notify that employee that he or she's being fired. Next question. That's just ignorant. It kind of spin off <laughs> from that question, though. What if you, if you, let's say you've been employed by a company for several months and upon employment, you were never notified or asked about a background check or notified about a drug test. But after you worked uh, 500 hours, they just came to you out of the clear blue and said, well, um, you worked 500 hours for us. Um, we're required to take a background check and a drug test. And let's say you fell, both of them. Is is it legal for them to just fire you? Remember what I said. It is a at-will state. So the employer is allowed to set the standards or the ground rules, if you will, to work for them. Is it improper for them to do that? No. But legally, I'm not so sure you're going to have a cause of action. And that employer probably did that because that 500-hour mark is probably right around where five to ten more hours you would qualify for that period of unemployment. And that's going to keep them from having to pay your right, right. portion into the unemployment compensation fund. So a short answer, they can set the working conditions for the people that work for them in any way they want to, as long as it doesn't violate public policy. As it relates to the drug test, it's a, it's a, it's a not an outrageous working standard that employers can set. Background checks, the same thing. Employers can set what they want their employees to, what, sort of background they want their employees to have. I hope that the employers will let that be known from the onset because you can't change what is. You feel me? They hire you knowing, for example, that you're a marijuana smoker and then fire you later on because they knew that. That might give you that a little bit of a better chance at getting some remuneration, but overall, they can do that, unfortunately. It's unfortunate, but but you might be able to reach out to an employment attorney who can make that argument as it relates to right before you're qualified for unemployment compensation or even get an attorney to write a demand letter to your employee and have them give you something, something as a consolation of some sort. But unfortunately, yes, they can pretty much fire you for any reason. Even if they didn't notify you of that before employment? Well, because what they're going to say is the federal laws require that they put certain notices up conspicuously throughout the, the facility, right? So somewhere, somehow, they had to put up their drug-free rogue zone or something along those lines. If you can argue nothing up there puts you on notice that this is a drug-free employer, you might have something there. But then even with the drug-free information missing, they can still demand a certain type of background of their potential employees. So you're, whoever that person is that wrote this is still in a sort of a catch-22. But I would not dissuade you from reaching out to an employment attorney and getting a free consultation. I hope that answered that person's question. What does the Equal Opportunity Employer Act actually protect? <laughs> it's the Equal Opportunity in Employment Act. But it's designed to keep employers from firing you based on 
those immutable characteristics. Where I get that from? The Constitution, y'all, because I love the Constitution. <laughs> our Supreme Court said there are certain things about human beings that we cannot change. The color of our skin, the gender, our religious backgrounds, our ethnicity. Those are the immutable characteristics of a human being that we cannot change. And that's what the Equal Employment Act is supposed to protect us from being fired for those illegal reasons. So when I said that Pennsylvania's an at-will state, but remember I also said, but they can't violate public policy. They can't violate federal law either. They can't fire you because you are a female, because that's illegal. But let's be real, it's 2012. Most employers will find some other bullshit reason, even though we know that's the real reason. But on paper, they're going to put something else down. The Equal... um, the Equal Opportunity Employment Act has been expanded in Title IX and a whole bunch of other um, legislation and, and laws have come out of that. So I plan on doing a show that surrounds just that. But just know that the Equal Opportunity Employment Act keeps employers from firing us for reasons that we can't control, like our gender, our ethnicity, our religion, um, our national origin, things that we can't control about ourselves. Next question. You're listening to For the People, Law and Playing Language on www.gtownradio.com. G-Town, the world. Sound from Germantown. We are putting out there in the air, folks, legal issues and giving them some legal information. Please remember, don't rely on what you hear just on the show. Reach out, ask somebody. Next question. For sure, for sure, for sure. Since we're on the job topic, we're going to shoot with this one. I was fired from my job for complaining too much about the work conditions. Although my boss told me I was fired because I was late too many times. I worked there for four years and I was only late 20 or more times, but called each time. Some of the men at my job tell gross, nasty sexual jokes and I feel uncomfortable. I complained to my supervisor and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, I got fired. Wow, that's a loaded question. Let me, let me, let me break it down in bite-sized morsels. First and foremost... Um, whoever wrote that, let me ask you this. You're the employer. Is it okay for your employee to come late 20 or more times, really? I that was employee. If I'm saying, I'm telling the employee oh. who wrote this, put yourself in the shoes of the employer. If my employee is going to come late 20 or more times, I'm not sure I want to rely on them for being an employee. It's a four-year time period, though. And, well, well, and, and that, that's what I need to qualify. Yeah. Is she saying in those whole four years she came late 20 or more times? I think sister saying 20 or more times constantly. You know what I mean? <laughs> the way it's written, I'm not sure. I'm not going to speculate either. Yeah. And listen, it sounds to me like you have a potential claim for a hostile work environment or something called constructive discharge. I'm not going to go in completely into the law. But basically, those two concepts mean this. The federal law and state law say you are protected and should be guaranteed an environment that you can work, that you can feel comfortable in. If you're in an environment where a bunch of guys are telling gross, disgusting sexual jokes, that's not a comfortable work environment. So they're putting you in a position where you're uncomfortable. That gives you an opportunity to, at some point, if something negative happens to you by your employer, you can seek an attorney and file something claiming it was a hostile work environment. In addition to that, or sort of any alternative of that, is this notion of constructive um, discharge. What does that mean? Your boss has done everything that they can think of doing to get you to quit. And when that didn't work, they just outright fired you. Or, generally, the constructive discharge means that 
The boss did everything short of saying you're fired, but they made your conditions at work so unbearable you had no choice but to quit. So whoever wrote this question, I would suggest that you immediately reach out to an employment attorney, an attorney who specializes in employment law. You can also reach out to, in Philadelphia County, the Community Legal Research, Community Legal Services. If you don't know how to get in touch with an employment attorney in the state of Pennsylvania, go to the um, Pennsylvania Bar Association, the Philadelphia Bar Association, or the Bar Association in your county, in your state, and ask them for employment lawyers who do free consultations or discounted consultations with respect to discharge issues. Good luck to you, and, and let us know how it turns out. Now that PA has passed the Ban the Box Act, uh, that's not PA, that's Philadelphia. It's a Philadelphia, and I'll tell you all what that means. Is there any recourse against employers who still ask the criminal history question on the application? Mayor Michael um, Nutter, with his administration, and through some of these um, grassroots organizations who are all about returning citizens, got this push for something called Ban the box. What does that mean? In a nutshell, it means we're asking Philadelphia employers within the confines of the city of Philadelphia not to ask on the application itself about a person's criminal background. But it doesn't stop at that second and subsequent interviews from that question being posed. In addition, it doesn't stop the employers from going to that public website that Pennsylvania has for the courts looking a person up and seeing their criminal background. So the ban the box is a Philadelphia animal. I don't know if it's been passed in the state of Pennsylvania. Somehow I can't imagine because the rest of the state's Republican any goddamn way. But if it was, what it's designed to do is give, is give folks with a criminal background a fighting chance to at least impress the boss. You feel me? You fill out the application. That question is not asked on its face. You go to that next interview phase, and that person can just wow the bosses so much they won't care about the background check. Sure. But unfortunately, they may find themselves in the position of the a previous person who asked the question, I worked 500 hours, all of a sudden they're pissing me and doing my background check, and I get fired. So I think that if we're going to be serious as a society of not letting people's background checks keep them down, then we need to find a really legitimate way to deal with it. And I just don't think ban the box is sufficient. I think it's a Band-Aid on a bleeding artery for all intents and purposes. But it's a nice start, you know, and I hope that answered that person's question. Next question, producer, wake up. I'm here. I'm keeping it running. I'm keeping it moving. (laughs) Alright, next question Does the state of PA require contractors to be licensed in insurance to work on residences? My contractor told me he is not licensed and bonded or insured but he gave me the names <laughs> of people who he has done work for as references Run away, run away, I run away when they gave the contractor good marks Should I go ahead and use this contract? Hell to the null Pennsylvania requires contractors who work on homes, residences, a dwelling that's classified as a residence to have a license. Most licensed contractors then will get bonded and get insurance to cover their behinds, particularly if their business is not incorporated and the clients can come after their personal stuff if they sue them. My suggestion, anyone out there thinking about remodeling their home, having a home builder, whatever, stay away from 
non-licensed contractors, particularly since in the state of Pennsylvania, if you work on residences, you have to be licensed by the state anyway. So, guys, think about this. If someone's holding themselves out as a contractor, they should know that the Pennsylvania state law requires them to be licensed and they decide not to be. What does that tell you? Dude's willing to go out there and claim he is what he what he is, but not willing to live up to what's required. That means that he ain't going to have no problems halfway doing his job for you and disappearing because he's judgment proof because he ain't got no money. I mean, the fact that this person gave you people's names to call as references, how do you know these weren't the people that work with him? Or people he paid to stay what they stayed. It's too dangerous if the people aren't properly licensed and bonded. Don't mess with them. It's not enough to go to Angie's list. Ask to see that license. Ask to see the insurance. Better yet, get a copy of it and verify it yourself. Angie's list notwithstanding, you need to protect yourself, y'all. What's Angie's list? It's this website you can go on to where people will send comments to the list about people in certain area codes who offer professional services. I don't think that's enough, particularly when it comes to your home. So, no, no, hell no. Next question. (laughs) Come on, Mina, don't be shy. Read the question for us. How you doing, everybody? Uh, My name's Amira. I keep calling her Mina, damn. (laughs) And she's just now correcting me. Sorry, Amira, go ahead. Um, Next question. I am being harassed by a police officer. I met him at a club. He was all right. But I don't like him like that. He keeps calling me and showing up everywhere I am. What can I do? Well, that's an interesting question. And I say it's interesting because it demonstrates an officer who's engaging in criminal activity. So listen up, uh, whoever wrote this. If he's stalking you, imagine what he's doing with his badge and gun on. It's a little scary. Mm -hmm. You need to put dude in his place right away. Obviously, he told you he was a police officer to try to impress you. I would suggest first you call him. Yo, dude, no means no. You won't leave me alone. I'm going to call your commander. I'm going to call the Internal Affairs Division, and I'm going to go to the to the um, district attorney's office in Philadelphia County, and I'm going to file a private criminal complaint against you, or wherever I live, I'm going to call the police and make a complaint. You need to make sure, though, that you cover yourself. Always make sure that somebody knows where you are and what you're doing and that they're aware of this person following you around. I would say keep a journal. Every time he shows up without you wanting him to be there, every time he says something, protect yourself. Make sure folks know where you're at. I'm not saying do this just because he's a police officer. If you're being stalked, period, you need to protect yourself. Make sure someone knows where you are where you're going to be, what your route of travel is. Deviate your route. Don't go the same way all the time. Tell somebody. Shame on you if you're an officer out there stalking people. Stop it. Masturbate if you need to, but stop that stalking. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I hope the information we've provided to you tonight (laughs) is helpful. If anything we've said helped you or triggered some questions in your mind, (coughs) hit us up on Facebook for the people law and playing language. <coughs> Tweet us at FTP Law. Email us for the people at DebraRainLaw.com. You can always call the studio, even if we're not on the air, and leave us a message at 215 609 4301. Send us a text message, 215 435 4099.
Always protect yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Remember what I say all the time. Knowledge is power. Thank you for listening. As we do on every show, our resident poetess prepares and dazzles us with her oratory brilliance. So without further ado, Sister Black. All right, let me get in my zone. Let me get in my zone. All right. Where was the system? I ain't bad. I'm just misunderstood. Misled. Prejudged. Mistook. Only 14 years old when the system took control and labeled me a juvenile crook. Minister society raised them properly, fresh out of poverty to state property because the system knows it all. It knows how to teach lessons. Some call it justice. I call it oppression. I can't quite comprehend the lessons to be taught i had problems way before i made it into a court where was the system then where was the system when i was exposed to guns drugs death pimps and hoes police riding around like they don't know because half of them are on some kingpin's payroll did the system close its lids to the droves of crime that engulf the parks and playgrounds where kids are supposed to be kids well my lids are wide open I indulged in what I seen. I didn't commit crime. Crime committed me. Sure, I'll take responsibility for the things I witnessed. A closed down library, but a brand new prison. And you have the nerve to try to take life from a kid. A kid whose life was gone when they were born into this bullshit. Excuse me, asterisk. But I have to tell it exactly how it is. Where's the funding for the recreations and positive places where kids can have dreams and aspirations? How can they express for us children to bear witness to this twisted ass system and it not stick and stay with us? Where I come from, the best part of waking up ain't Folgers. It's just waking up. The solution ain't life. A life sentence when it's time for court. It should be found more around the time when they cut the umbilical cord. I ain't bad. I'm just misunderstood. Misled. Prejudged. Prejudged. Mistook. And my life is on life support. Instead of taking it, show some support. But it's the justice system of America. Of course. Wow, Black. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to www.gtownradio.com. G-Town, the what? The sound from German town. Tune in on Tuesday nights from 8 to 9.30 to hear us for the people law and playing language. And tune in on Wednesday nights from 10 to midnight. My boy, K. Gerard Bates and DJ Easy e Got to get over the hump. Check them out. They got some R&B for you. That's our time on the count of three. Say bye, fam. Three, two, see ya. Well, I was the only one on point anyway. You did. Okay, good night. presented on For the People is provided as general legal information. The general legal information is intended to inform consumers is not intended to substitute for specific legal advice as it relates to the listener's specific legal issue. Consumers are cautioned not to rely on the general legal information broadcast on For the People as legal advice. 
No attorney-client relationship is created, intended, or implied between the consumers of For the People and Deborah Rainey Esquire, the compassionate lawyer, or the law office of Deborah D. Rainey. Please consult with an attorney for your specific legal issue.